Hey guys, this is Erin from Roadrun Blonde, and I wanted to tell you about a new feature on ACAST that supports its artists. It's the supporter feature. Listeners to Roadrun Blonde can now donate and support the podcast. However, there's no subscription or commitment. You can just give whenever or whatever you'd like. It's completely up to you. Just find the support the show link in the show description on any episode. You can use Apple Pay or Google Pay, and it takes less than 30 seconds. You can donate anonymously, or you can add a message that I can see. As a podcaster, everything comes directly out of my pocket. I don't get paid to podcast. It's just my passion. So anything is appreciated to keep the show going. Thank you so much, guys. And now on to the show. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If Only in Theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to Red Rum Blonde. This is a true crime podcast. Each week, I'll explore a case, the victims, the facts, and the mystery surrounding it. Some are solved, some remain unsolved. I'm your host, Erin Fleming. Welcome to Red Run Blonde. This week is a very special episode and something different from what I normally do. I really hope you listen because you may help solve a mystery. On December 30th, 2019, 22-year-old Tony Turner went missing from the Pittsburgh area. Tony was last seen at Dober Tea in Squirrel Hill. And from there, it's a mystery what exactly happened to her. Her sister, Sydney, was gracious enough to sit down and talk to me about her missing sister, So before I play the interview, I'll just go over a few facts to help you kind of understand some things we were talking about. We talk about a few different areas, Squirrel Hill, where she was last seen, Hazelwood, where she lives, and the Homestead Grays Bridge, where some of her belongings were found. These areas are all very close in proximity. So you basically have Squirrel Hill, then Greenfield, which is my neighborhood, and then you can head one direction down to Hazelwood, Or you can head another direction to Homestead. The drive time and bus time to any of these areas would just be minutes. But when we talk about the bridge, it most likely wouldn't be in a direction she would have been going. I'm extremely fortunate to have had my first interview be with Sydney. She's intelligent, incredibly well-spoken, as you will soon find out, and someone who just made such an impression on me. She's brilliant, lively, and just one-of-a-kind woman. 
She lets us know what it's like to be going through this whole ordeal of someone you love being missing. We sat down together at the 61B Cafe for a long talk. Tony is presumed missing not of her own accord. The general presumption is that she's been taken against her will. Now, other possibilities cannot be ruled out, but this is why I urge you to listen. Wherever she is, and whatever way she went missing, we need to find her. She could be anywhere. So please listen to this interview with Sydney. It's so important. Now, about halfway through, you'll be introduced to Keith, the manager of the cafe who knows Sydney. And uh, this conversation with him just felt so organic that I included it into the episode. We touch on a lot of different things from grief to sex trafficking to harassment, what it means to be a woman, what it means to be a man, and just this whole odd world that we inhabit together. I like it. I do feel like Ray Charles. (laughs) This is just what he did. Wow. So what were you saying again? You were like... Uh um, You're so eloquent in what you say. Um, So it's been... It's been a month? It's been a month and a half since she's um, been absent. Um, And so... What was I saying? It's really nice to continue to have platforms to share Tony's story on because she still hasn't come home. Um, and what I was saying is that the first three weeks were really action-packed. Like, you know, a lot of talking to detectives, a lot of suspecting some people in my life. Um, not a lot, but a certain few. Um, a lot of emotion, a lot of just like emotional energy charging me up like getting two hours of sleep every night on my phone for an average of seven hours a day just like saying just responding to everything like ooh, someone's like i may have seen her on december 27th and i'm like great i'm gonna collect that and send it to the detectives like just seven hours a minimum a day on my phone just collecting any information and also saying thank you to everyone who cares um but then after that first three weeks it was really important to just have faith in the detectives mm-hmm. and pull away so that, you know, we're not poking our head in the investigation anymore so they can spend all their time doing what they need to do to locate Tony. Um, so after that, it's still been hard. It just changes. I'm not, like, crying every day anymore. But I am... Um, just like, you know, there's a space in me, like a little... Like a void... Um, and it's made me just like, you know, like it's put everything in perspective. Like now I'm like, oh, so this matters and this doesn't matter. Yeah, I've never experienced, I mean, everyone has trauma, including me. Um, but this is a true grief because you think you'll just get over it. Like, you know, I'm very practical. That's why I've been doing so much work around like sort of canvassing for Tony's absence in life. Um, but I just keep thinking I'm gonna hit an equilibrium and everything's gonna be okay. But it's just like, no, this is the new normal. And so sometimes I'll imagine like, well, what will I be like if Tony came home? Yeah. In whatever form that is. And I would be like, you know, it doesn't matter because like this is such a triggering and like just long lasting, it's a month and a half uh, event that I am totally different now. I'm mad because I'm like, somebody had to have seen her. Yeah. Somebody had to have seen her somewhere. This is, you know, sometimes I'm like, this is bullshit, you know? That's how I feel. 
details. Yeah. So one detail that I think may have been lost because it came like later in her case um, is that Tony was last seen by a bus driver who's actually my neighbor, um, and she got off of that bus around 6:20. Okay. Um, so where did she? get off the bus. Was she, she near the bridge? No, she got off at her normal uh, stop in Hazelwood, okay. um, near Nancet Street, Nancet, Nancet, Nancet Street. Um, and so, I mean, that creates so many narratives. Like, did she go home? Yeah. Did she go to one of her friend's house? Because she lives near two houses that are very, very friendly. She could walk into both of them at any time. Did you go to their house? Um, so for me, I think the bridge was like a setup, like a stage, because that's just how I feel. And you know, I talked to the missing person, like chief or executive chief of the missing persons department uh, for Pittsburgh police. And you know, we kind of had a back and forth. My opinion is if she were to walk from her house to the bridge, it would have taken at least 30 minutes at most 45 and one person would have seen her because it's a 45 minute walk and if you're walking that way you're kind of on display and someone would have been like hey this seems really in the news and I think I saw a person walking on that day and then boom right there that's something um, from my knowledge no one has made that call so I feel like my sister was not on the bridge I feel like someone took her possessions and put them there um, I also yeah. don't feel like it's suicide, because if it was suicide, I think there would be a note. And I think someone yeah. would have seen it. Yeah. It's you know. not. And it, it is very populated. Like, you know, yeah. I used to date someone who was in one of these three houses that were very friendly. Mm -hmm. um, the community is called the Owl Hollow Community. So it would be Tony's house and her boyfriend's house, Jose. Tony and Jose would live in one house, and then there'd be two other houses. And they would all make this community, and they would like walk into each other's houses very open. And so I would be over there hanging out with like, you know, this person I was dating like at any hour of the day. So I would drive on that bridge at like 1 a.m., 2 a.m., midnight, 4, 5. Um, and there would, I would never be alone. There are trucks driving by. There are people who are just like, I'm also up at 3 a.m. driving by. So it's like that is a never, that place is never totally vacant, that Homestead Bridge. Um, so I, that's why I'm just like, to me and to a lot of other people, um, she wasn't on that bridge. Because she, got... she lives in Hazelwood. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So one definition that's really coming to my mind is her uh, ceramic teacher and my roommate, my former roommate, KT, described me and Tony like this. KT described me as like a firework and I just kept going off. And then KT described Tony as like sort of like a smoke cloud with glitter in it. Like she would be very calm and present in the room. But, and she would still add like life to it. Um, and then someone who used to be her mentor in African spirituality and teaching children, um, Menekek, he said that Tony had the beauty that people would pray for, internal and external. And I think, I just think that was so aptly put and beautiful and like I've never heard anything like that. Um, and then my, what I think about Tony is that she was just a lot of fun. She didn't, she just made you feel real. No matter what was going on with you, she accepted you how you were. Like if you were upset, if you were feeling awkward in a situation, 
Um, if you were like being targeted from bullying or just like sort of ostracized from a group, she would really be great at helping people feel welcome. Yeah, and she worked at the pottery studio or the ceramic studio in the Braddock Library, and oh my gosh, the children that she taught, they miss her so much, and you know, it's hard for them because they're children, and I don't know how they're taking her being gone. They probably can't process that at all. Yeah, because I mean, we're adults and I can't even process it fully. Um, so it's really hard that the children have to experience that, because she was a constant in their life for like a year and a half. Um, but they miss her, and they love her, and they, the children seeing Tony was definitely a highlight of their week. I've seen her artwork. That is amazing. I like, know. Has she always been an artist? Yeah. Is this, like her whole life? So she started with drawing on the walls, and she hasn't stopped. <laughs> like, I think it was even like, you know, last Christmas, 2019 Christmas, she drew on the wall. I mean, that's what I think. She just never stopped. And we're like, Tony, <laughs> you have paper. But it started with like, you know, drawing because yeah. we liked anime. Uh -huh. And so it starts with the anime drawings. Yeah. And then she had this collective of friends in high school and they just like grew together. Um, and what was funny is the drawings that were sort of like circulating on Facebook that were Tony's were done like four or five years ago. Like Tony is just, she's just like had moved on from drawing and got into ceramics like wholeheartedly, ceramics and jewelry making. And I always thought that was such a shame because I was like, your drawing is so good. Yeah. So is she, she's just born with this natural talent. Does she, has she studied art or is she just more natural? She's very she self-taught, very self-taught. Like she teaches herself everything. Um, yeah, honestly, she didn't go to school for any of it. She did have like mentors, like my former roommate KT um, and brother Menakik and sister I Asia. However, self-taught, absolutely self-taught, yeah. And so this is gonna be a little tangent, but we're even having a dance party benefit in her honor on February 29th. Um, because she was such a good dancer, because she was a fusion of Bollywood, of uh, contortionist, because she was like an amateur contortionist. Um, That's amazing. Yeah, and like her own styles. Um, and we're gonna call the dance party Move Through Grief, a celebration and benefit dance party for Tony, um, because she was just such a great dancer. Yeah, and raising all the money for an organization that helps vulnerable communities. How close are you two in age? Oh, she's just a year younger than me. Yeah, her birthday is June 10th, 1997. Yeah. I'm, so, is it just the two of you? Just two siblings? So, we have one big sister okay. that we grew up with. Okay. And then we have a sister from another mother, same father. And her name is Tanea. Um, and those are the like the two sisters that I really am close with, but we have a lot, a lot of sisters, Tony and I. Are you all from Pittsburgh? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, we grew up Braddock, East Pittsburgh, and then we sort of landed in Turtle Creek. Okay. And um, your parents are, so your parents are both, are 
Yeah, are they together? together. Yeah. It's such a weird oh. question to ask. Yeah, no, they're not together, or I don't think so. I don't know, they're adults now. Yeah. They can yeah. do whatever they want. <laughs> we live with our mom and then grandma. So grandma filled like the matriarchal role, like staying at home and cooking us hot dogs and cream of wheat. And then mom went out and worked at PNC forever. Yeah, so that was the that was the shit when we grew up and we were so happy. Like we didn't know we just loved our lives. We loved our lives so much. We're all very we're very good at like just being positive, like um yeah, I think we all just have really deep inner worlds, like my family included, but everyone, like how often can you go out in the world and flesh out your trauma and your tragedies and really tell someone how you're feeling? I just think it's sort of a cultural norm to put on a brave face. Um, but I think my family really believes in it. Like, we don't want to put our grief on you, because how would that help us? Um, I think our family really just kind of is into spreading joy and peace without having to have a banner above our heads about it. She's dealing with it really hard. Um, because Tony did have some like mental health lapses. Um, to me, no more than the average person, but to my mother, they are very severe. So I think she sort of believes more in the suicide route. So I, I need to do more to just encourage my mom to just like, you know, continue to take care of herself. Because um, as a family unit, we need to stay strong and hold space for Tony. There's actually a Barbara Streisand quote that I've been really into that you choose to forget what is too painful to remember. And I don't want Tony to become something that's too painful to remember because she's not dead, she's not a runaway, she's missing. So I think it's the most important thing we can do as people is remember her even though it might be painful so she can have that space and like the community's heart um, always there for her. Very hard for my mother as well. It's, this is a really big challenge in like mental toughness, like only thinking thoughts that serve your highest good and only thinking hopeful thoughts, but you know, to only takes like one thought of like, oh, if only that one time I did this to really spiral you into this, like this really crazy cavern of like depression and sadness. Um, and because it's my mom, you know, she has the strongest attachment to Tony. Tony is a part of her body, like she can feel each of her children in her body. So for Tony to be absent and for her to be absent for so long and for, you know, it to like appear to be suicide, um, I think it's like, I don't understand what my mom's going through either. I don't. I'm just, as you said, I'm her sister, so my relationship is different. I feel a little more militant and like I can do things about it. Uh, than my mother like I guess for her it probably feels like she lost an arm Maybe it's about being an adult It's just very hard to have someone missing like if she were if we knew where she was or what was going on It would be different um, There's just so much regret. Oh, I wanted to say like, you know, we do crazy things all the time You know go to Puerto Rico uh, Take a walk at night like not just me but like people all around the world yeah. do crazy things yeah. and we're fine I think this 
Tony's absence has shown the whole Pittsburgh community like there is a problem. And we don't know what it is, but we are all subconscious. Well, we all sort of agreed like sex trafficking is really wrong and it's hurting children and it's hurting women, like just any vulnerable community. And we're putting our eyes on that and we want to be able to feel safe again. And we don't know if that's what happened with Tony. Um, but for me personally, I need to assume the worst. Like I went to a tarot reader that I really trust, and then an astrologer, that was a gift from a friend from Minneapolis who has no idea what's going on. And they both said like, oh, clear as day, she ran away of her own free will. And I'm like, I'm so happy you have that narrative, but I can't act like she's safe somewhere. I have to do everything in my power to like locate her and figure, to locate her, and then I can move from there. But until I know where she is, I have to assume that she's abducted against her will somewhere um, because she's the one who's suffering, I feel, no matter what situation she's in. And I might be an annoying big sister if she just tried to run away and like live her life, but it's like, sorry, Tony, I don't know if you're safe. And I need, I need that. I need to know you're safe. Did that, so when you got those readings, did that give, did that give you a sense of relief? In a way? Because the detectives can only tell me so little, yeah. it's an active investigation and you know, sometimes they don't find stuff. They just like, we did work, but nothing came about it uh, or came from it. Uh, talking to like tarot readers and astrologers has been like my gas. Like it's been fueling me. Like, and I know it's just a story. It's not based in anything solid but it makes me able to do more things. If not for like all these um, sources of inspiration then and hope, like even from friends, I would just be in bed all day. It is like the astrologers and the tarot readers and you know, friends who have friends who know about sex trafficking have been sex trafficked, um, have connections to police or authorities who end sex trafficking, who have given me the power to do what I've been doing. Like meet you and have this podcast interview with you or go on search parties with people. Uh, yeah, without a lot of people giving me the resources, I would just be in bed and sad. I feel like the whole community is experiencing this. Um, one sad thing you learn is how many missing people there are. Cause you just, you get so personal about it. But then you go into like the National Missing Persons database and you're like, you see the number of missing people, thousands. And then you just realize that this is a problem and it's not just about you and your sister or your missing beloved. It's about missing people in general, which is like a very brutal thing to realize. It's that it's not just you. Um, and I'm really grateful for Pittsburgh for being um, the place that it is because everyone cares so much. and. We're, we're, despite class and race and education, people will give anything that they can. Um, and I think that's a really beautiful thing that I hope is in more places than Pittsburgh, but it's certainly in Pittsburgh. Yeah. I find that um, one place we went was the Hill District just because we just 
had a hunch that she might be there and it's like we don't know anything so how does it hurt to go door to door and give flyers in that area and so what I like about the Hill District is it feels like California I've never been but it's like people are just hanging out on the street and ha like having a good time and I was like the Hill District is a really cool place um, and everyone there, because you know, they're just like hanging out. They're just like, hey, how are you doing? Oh my God, your sister, you know? And then they're like sharing their story, like same thing happened to me like in the 80s. And so there was just like such a, like raw love in the Hill District um, and safety that I really, really, really appreciated. Um, no places like the Hill District, like nowhere else are people just on the street having a good time but they are in the Hill District and they just welcome you. Like, it's not like, ooh, are they gonna think I'm weird? They're like, hey, life's a party. Yeah, and we've been going there a lot because that's also where there was a reported, suspected Tony sighting. But then that's very, that's an odd one because um, the girl said Tony was like hiding her face. But the thing is, she said she was in front of Family Dollar. Family Dollar is directly across from the police station and directly across from a bus station I know people are always at. And once again, it's got that California outside all the time, hangout vibe. We were flying there like a week before this report of seeing Tony being seen. So I was like, if Tony was really in front of the family dollar, I think someone would have been like, that's Tony. But you know, who knows? Who, who knows? Who knows? So when is the last time you had contact with her? Like, did you see her in person? Did you speak to her? Like, when's the last time you? I was one of the last people who spoke to Tony. We were on the phone. Um, it was this December thirtieth. I want to say it was around five five fifty. Um, and, you know, I was talking to Tony. I was annoyed. I was just in an annoyed mood. I did not want to answer her phone call, but I did. Um, and so, you know, my, I spoke my truth to her, and I think it came out a little harsh, because she did say verbally, like, I'm upset, what you said upset me. And I didn't apologize, because, you know, boundaries. And I had to be like, well, Tony, that's how I feel. What do you want me to say? Um, so I was just being like, a, you know, a sister, like being snide, being like all about me. Um, and then, you know, her boyfriend, who, it's like they have a weird relationship, they were breaking up, Tony was moving in with me, um, so they're in an interesting transitional place, was, he also texted her, and he was like, I don't want to talk to you today, and that, you know, was based on something that happened before, I think it was really reasonable, but, I don't know, we are just all being a little harsh to her. So the bus driver, who's my neighbor, he was the last person report like that we know of to say anything to her and thank god he was so kind because he saw that she was feeling really down and he was just like cheering her up trying to talk to her but he's also said to me he was like i didn't want to be the 50 year old man getting the con like getting the number of like the 20 year old girl um but he realized that she was feeling very sad and that was in part due to me and Jose just kind of being like dismissive. Um, and I want, I just, he felt so bad. He was like, if I would have known, I would have asked her to stay on the bus longer. We could have looped around. We could have talked about it. Like, you know, just full of all these regrets and things he could have done. 
Um, and I was like, you were the last person to say something nice to her. And she was having a really hard day. And that's because of the people who love her, you know? Um, so I just want to say thanks, Vincent, for being the last person we know of who was kind and put her first. Yeah. But everyone who I think should have been interviewed by detectives has been. That's good. So that makes me feel good. Yeah. And you know, the thing about the detectives is that I feel very blessed to have Julie and Jeff as my detectives because they're the only ones that there are. You know, there aren't any other detectives. Some people are like, oh, do you want to hire a private investigator? And we're going to do that with some of the GoFundMe money. But private investigators, are like civilians. They get to a certain point and then they need the police or they're doing illegal yeah. things. Yeah. So I would say if like your wife is cheating or I don't know, other things like that, a private investigator is good. But if you're thinking someone has been abducted or has crossed state lines for whatever reason, a private investigator can't help you. And we got that information from a former police detective. So, which means I have to trust the detectives who are working on Tony's case because they're all I have, and I'm very fortunate that they're so, they have good character, and that they're doing, like they've been working overtime at least for the first three weeks. Um, I'm not sure about these latter three weeks because I haven't been in contact with them just because it's like, uh, just, just like, I just pray now. <laughs> That's what I do, but um, I'm very grateful for who I have working on my side. So, yeah, what I realized within the first three weeks um, is that I am not a god. So I can't do, like, if I'm like, ooh, I have a feeling, or if there's like a hunch that Tony could be in certain places, the detectives and police officers need solid evidence to do any of that stuff, like to forward anything. And you also want to consider like, okay, so I don't want to make someone seem suspicious and like incriminate them. Like if they're a black person and they're innocent, like, and they're innocent and they're innocent, you really want to not get the police on their butt, <laughs> you know, because like they might not have anything to do with Tony, but you know, they're black they're or any person who is vulnerable to police brutality. You don't want to give the police any reason to be around that person. Um, so also being very, trying to keep everyone safe, trying to do this as safely as possible. Like when we were at our search parties, um, I would kind of get very fanatic but then I would get very stressed out because I'm like, we're just civilians. None of us are trained in combat. If any of us are trained in combat, we really shouldn't get into combat because that's illegal and we can't trespass. Like, you know, if I, saw, if I thought Tony was in a shed in someone's house, not only are those people probably going to be there, they're obviously dangerous. They do this, these evil things, so they have mindsets to like kidnap people, trap people, kill people, drug people. I don't, I'm a good person. I don't think and do those things. Um, and then it's also like, what if I just open someone's shed and, and there's nothing there? Um, that's like trespassing. So it's just, I mean like, I'm not a god because it very quickly becomes illegal. I don't know anything when it comes down to it. Um, miracles do happen, but it has to be a balance of like, you know, police, 
and civilians. And I talked to the detectives a lot about that. And they're like, you're, if you're gonna put any task on yourself, it should be just continuing to spread her story and doing all the social media that's really good. Um, and then, you know, having a back and forth about what information about their investigation I can share and what not to share because they're still investigating it. And they have to follow every lead. That's what they told me. I think that's like kind of a, like a duty of their job. Like you have to follow every lead. So isn't that interesting? That is. So that's either like it can really concentrate their efforts. It can also dilute them because they have to follow every lead. So, you know, here I am coming with all these things. And at some point I was like, I need to stop. <laughs> And it takes at least 20, a minimum of 24 hours for that to get approved for them to look at it. And then they have to look at it. And a thing about uh, street cameras is a lot of them don't work. Um, quality's poor. Um, and they have to look through it. So it's also, there are a lot of variables to this. I just really hope, you know, I just really hope that Tony is just a runaway. And you know, she's very smart. She's very talented and skilled. So if she wanted to run away and hide herself, um, I don't know. A lot of people across the country know she's missing. So she might be smart and talented, but I don't think she's so smart and talented to hide from a whole country. But I would hope out of anything, she's just running away. Um, I just hope she's not abducted. But if she is, we're doing everything we can. So there's that. So if you felt like she ran away, do you have like an idea of where she would go, where she would want to go? Oh my God, no. No. No idea. Um, no idea. And you know, you also think about like, okay, so who are people in her life she could run away with? Um, and there are a few people, and I gave those names over to the detectives, but then it's also some friends have like, you know, they're like, did you know that this person is a very violent member of like this community she's a part of? And I'm like, I don't know that person. I did not know they were a violent member. Um, so thank you. I also have to follow up on that lead and make sure that it was given to the detectives. Um, People have been so helpful because you know I don't do what Tony does. Tony lives her own life. I just am like I just would hang out with her and make jokes. That's what me and Tony's relationship were. She wouldn't be like, um, I met someone today in, in my community. Only things that were relevant. So it's great to have people who know her in different realms and be like, this guy, that person. How about that? Yeah, I think you know I made that original Facebook post of like. If you see, I need everyone in like Iowa, I forget the states, but yeah. Iowa and other states, Nevada, to be aware if, of my sister. I think that sort of set people off that, oh, she's been abducted. But, you know, a lot of time has passed. It's been a month and a half. And I still feel like people wouldn't be so uh, triggered by the absence of a dead woman. I feel like people feel Tony's alive and believe she's abducted, which is why we are so still very fervently like where is she any new information um so thank you for saying that because i feel that too like she's alive and abducted somewhere um and it could all just be like the survivalist in us like she could just be a runaway but we're also just like nah for me it's her things on the bridge me too that's what makes me say someone plays this here that's how i feel it was a stage because now clear this up for me so 
her things were found how long after she went missing? Or was that the catalyst that made people think she was missing? That was what made people think she was okay. missing. Okay. Um, so her possessions were found between the time of 6.20 mm -hmm. and 8, 8.30 p.m. Monday, December 30th. Okay. Um, it was found by someone on a bike. I assume this person was a minor because they picked up her bag. They left her ceramic piece and her shoes because they're on a bike. They're like, those things are weird and not really important. I'll bring this bag. This minor on the bike then brought it to his father. His father was a firefighter. I don't know if they made a police report that night. I don't know. Uh, but then Tuesday, December 31st at 11 a.m., um, this firefighter had Tony's bag called my aunt on her phone um, and her name like it begins with an A on her contact so I think he just saw like auntie called it he dropped it off to my aunt at 11:47 a.m. Tuesday December 31st Tony loses her phone all the time and so my aunt told me Tony lost her phone Sydney come pick it up you know I didn't know I thought Tony lost her phone very very so normal like happens like once every three weeks like lose her phone a lot yeah. so you know I picked it up at 7 p.m. Tuesday December 31st and I saw it was her bag and I was like oh um, it was her phone her keys her journal and her water bottle and so I was like okay that's a lot that's abnormal and so then, you know, still, I, then I, like, you know, kind of went to her house, but still was just, like, lackadaisical about it. Uh, I was dating someone in that community that she lives in at the time, so I was like, let's go down to her house together, because honestly, I thought she may have been dead in her house. Um, so I didn't want to go in there alone, especially if there was, like, some murderer, and it's like, well, I can't get murdered, I have to get you in jail, you know what I mean? So, um... When I saw Tony wasn't in her home, that's when it hit me. You know, now it's like 8, 8 p.m. And I'm like, she's missing. This is serious. This is so serious. Um, and I do feel like it was a stage. I feel like it was a stage. I feel like it was not placed by Tony. I really believe, and it's not just me, like our other sister, Tanea, and I talked last night, and she said, like, I feel like in my heart she's abducted. And because I've been doing so much work, which is like, I haven't been able to attend to my family as much as I want to because I'm just like talking to detectives, talking to people, doing all these things. But it's cool to get this familial perspective who hasn't been in the thick of it with me to be like abduction. She's like, not a runaway, it's an abduction. So on the thought of abduction, I feel like it could be someone who knew her, mm -hmm. and then we didn't. Yeah. Or we're not familiar with them. Yeah. Because um, I can't think of anyone. I mean, I could, and I have, and those people all talk to the detectives. Yeah. Um, but even those people talking to the detectives leads to an air of innocence, you know? Um, but it's nice that they're under the detective's thumb, for the most part. Um, it could have also just been... Like, I could see Tony taking her shoes off 
and at the place where she gets off on the bus, I could see her taking her shoes off and going into the baseball field and just like really like just like grounding and getting to the earth and closing her eyes and just being like, this day has been so hard, but I'm gonna ground and just like let it all go. And this baseball field is so close to her house that I could see her feeling safe. And it could have just been two uh, chumps, or one or two, probably two, who just like beat a girl over the head uh, and then drugged her because they're cowards. You know, they just took advantage of the situation um, and kidnapped a young woman. Um, I could see that happening. It's just hard because Whoever has abducted her, if that, I mean, going on that narrative, they're bad people. They're weak people. They drug and they kidnap and they don't fight fair. Um, and they're probably trying to get money out of it, you know, or have some sort of like slave. So they're just bad people. And we don't know where that can come from. Like that can come out of people in so many, um, so many reasons you can just be like, I'm going to abduct a person, you know? Um, one thing that I like is like I feel like whoever has done this did not expect people to care so passionately and so long. Um, so you know, I don't know what's going on. But I hope that in my heart that they were just like, this is too much heat, this is too much to deal with, we're just gonna like dump her off at the authorities and try to pretend like we were never involved. Because I do believe that, you know, justice will come to them whatever lifetime that happens. But, you know, isn't it punishment enough to have to live in the shadows and be an evil, disgusting person who enslaves others? Like, how that deteriorates your body is one thing, but then the external justice that will come to you uh, in time as well. Like, that's enough for me. I don't need to, like, beat these people up or, like, ha 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 in their face. Uh, my priority is Tony's location, her peace of mind, and as much safety as we can give her. So the prayer has been awesome. You hear these stories happening and you really don't think it will ever be you, and then it is you, and it doesn't even have, like it's me, you know, this is my sister. Uh, but I realize it's like, it's the worst thing that's ever happened to me, and nothing has even happened to me. Like I've had to teach myself how to go outside, I didn't feel safe sleeping in my own home. I had to kick people out of my life because I'm like, I don't trust you. I don't know if you're going to abduct me or kill me. You know, I just, I don't trust you. Uh, I had to teach myself how to, I don't know if I just said this, but I had to teach myself to walk outside again. Um, going back to work and feeling okay. Um, so many simple things, eating. Learning, cooking. I had to teach myself how to cook. I still don't cook. I still don't quite get it in my mind. Like, the grief response, things shut down so you don't go crazy. I don't need to know how to cook, so I still have to figure that out again. Um, yeah. So you had people in the sex trafficking community reach out to you? Yeah, and you know they're not traffickers, but they're yeah, not the. <laughs> yeah, I know I phrased that completely wrong. It's so hard to talk about it. Yes. <laughs> I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over seventy percent of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. 
Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com. I've had people reach out and say, you know, hey. So that is one thing I'm ashamed to say I don't know much about, and I certainly don't know much about this in the area. So have you learned through all of this more about that? Yeah, I can't say I've been studying it, but it's like, you know, you think about Ohio, like there was something that came out on one of the Pittsburgh papers and it showed like hot spots for sex trafficking and Ohio really close to us was just massive. It was like a disease of sex trafficking. And you can easily see how that would just like bleed down into Pittsburgh. Um, So that's that. And, you know, my cousin, or I'm sorry, not my cousin, my sister, she's a bit uh, distant because we're older, we didn't grow up together, but, you know, blood is blood. She's my sister. And she um, herself had some friends be sex trafficked, had to fight to not become someone like that. Just living a much, she was a knight, like really fighting for her life. And she said, Sydney, did you know that one woman can get you $20,000? So you just have to think about someone who's down on their luck. Um, If somebody does like weird drugs, like that, something more severe than marijuana, um, you know, ketamine, cocaine, heroin, even if someone used to do heroin, they know the heroin community if they haven't died out. Um, Like, those illegal drugs easily can turn into the enslaving of people, which is so illegal. So, um, she was like, you know, you can get $20,000 for a young woman. And just think about people who don't work, people who do those drugs, people who might be down on their luck and really need to recover, they're like, ah, one person, $20,000, that could revolutionize a life. It would revolutionize my life, Um, but you know, I'm a good person, so I would never. But I don't know, if you're already slinging illegal material and you're down on your luck and then you're like on substances, you might be like, ah, well, nobody cares about her and $20,000 because I truly believe money has nothing to do with your beliefs like money is separate so you will be like I can be I'm a good person I just needed $20,000 so I sold a woman you can really tell that lie to yourself um 
so many things. And then it's also just this de like, no, not, I want to say like the commodification of women. Like women are items in our culture. So it's like, someone could just see like, you know, a young black woman and be like, oh, she's not white. Um, we could probably get away with this um, and just like knock her over the head. Um, so I've been having a lot of like sort of big thoughts, like society, like, wow, women can really be sold. And of course, like young, young boys can be sold as well. But you, huh, when you hear about a man going missing, I don't think the first thing you go to is like sex slave. You think like murder or maybe he was abducted and they're like being mean to him. And you know, that could also entail like a sexual abuse, but I think when you think of an abducted woman, you're like, oh shit, you kind of go there. You go there, because, and women know, women understand this. Yeah, I mean, you can even be, you can be in a relationship with someone and still get sexually assaulted. So it's just like, you get abducted as a woman, or, you know, we don't know what happened with Tony, but you, you need to assume that so you can like really act strongly, but you're like, oh God, no. So really keeping those thoughts at bay for the first, three weeks was a mission. So I kind of didn't sleep. I just napped for like two hours a day. Cause I was like, I don't want to have these awful thoughts cause they just really drain you and they're not helpful. Cause if that is Tony's reality, you want to send her love and strength and healing. You want to compound this potential horror story with your imagination. Um, and because I come from like massage therapy and energy work and reflexology. I feel like I have been sort of blessed with a mental fortitude I did not have. So I was been able to like do a lot of prayer and send her a lot of love and light um, and like meditations that I would do for us. Um, but yeah, if you're not, this is like a tool. I did not know that I was doing all these fun things for this, but they've been so helpful. Like I would have broken if I didn't have this training. I told myself like, you know, I'll deal with whatever's going on with me when I figure, whenever I can find some peace with Tony. And until she come, comes home, there won't be peace. Um, and I think this is like sort of a mission. I have been like an entrepreneur of my sister's absence. I'm like, everyone needs to know. I need to like raise money to give to organizations to protect communities that are vulnerable. Like I finally understand what it is to have a purpose. I just think, cause you don't rest. Like this is what you do. This is your lifeblood. I mean, I do sleep, I do sleep, but it's like, this is my mission. Tony is my priority. Um, and even if I'm the only one who cares about her and that won't happen because so many people love her and Pittsburgh is such an awesome community, um, I'm still, She's a part of my life priority. Like, I keep her in my thought. I love her, I pray for her. Um, I get to be on podcasts that you have and share her story. Oops. Um, but do you have, what kind of support system do you have? My support system is amazing. Like, people were nagging me. Like, I have like 100 mommies. They're like, are you eating? Did you sleep? People, people continue to give me meals. Like, my friend Hannah dropped off food at my house last night. Um, the support has been constant. It has been, in, uh, like, really deep. Um, people have been giving me, like, you know, 
their little therapy or like just tell me anything, just let it out sessions. Oh, that's so, so good. Yeah. That's so good. Because just as me not knowing you, I think, yeah, you're concerned about your sister. I'm also concerned about you and your family because I worry more about my family. Yeah. I don't, because like Tony and I are more of the same community. Um, my sister Savannah and my mom so much don't have the same network we have so I hope that they're getting what they need unfortunately I don't want to say I've been ignoring them but these last three weeks I've just been like laying in bed and trying to and like going to work and normalizing that yeah um so we kind of hit our regular amount of conversation which isn't that much so I do worry about them but the funny thing about this is and I bet I would love to hear what other people who've had missing people in their life say is that I get so irritated anytime they disagree with me or they try to tell me to calm down. Like I get like zero to 100 in the irritation. So it's like, you might think I go to my family and I feel so like, ah, I can talk to them about anything and I can, I still have fun with them. I love them. They make me, they give me inner peace. But when we talk about Tony, and they get into anything that I disagree with, even slightly. I have no patience for it. Yeah. I like, I get mean. I'm like, I don't want to hear it. <laughs> and then they don't like that because I'm being mean. Um, so we still, so much healing comes about when we're together. But it also sounds difficult. Yeah, if we talk about Tony, we get, I get mean and they get mean because yeah. I'm being mean. Yeah. So I'm starting it, but I'm just like, I don't want to hear you saying she committed suicide. That doesn't help anyone. It's not helping Tony, even if she did. Oh, an interesting thing I'll say as well is that um, the detectives say, you know, if she if she is in the river, like the body's, nature gives the body back when it wants. There is a science to it, but still it's all up to nature. Um, yeah. For people who are considering that. Yeah, yeah. So that day she went to work. Okay. And then she went to Dober Tea, mm-hmm. and that ended around six. So she was just at Dober Tea by herself, just yeah. chilling by herself. She she has a ritual there. She does that really often, actually, because um, I talked to one of the people who work at Dober Tea. Um, that place is amazing. It's so nice there. I went there for the first time recently. I was like, oh, my God, why am I not here every day? Like in honor of Tony? Yeah. Isn't it wonderful? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Please keep going. The people there are so wonderful as well. And it's just, you just feel so relaxed. And it's just such, like, no place I've ever been. I know. find you're in, like, little milk and cranny, and everybody did. Yeah, you, you know? like, take your shoes off. Yeah. It's a really great place. And the yeah. people, the employees are wonderful. Like, Tony and I have known them for years. Right. Two or three years. So, I'm sure they also feel the loss. Because yeah. that's, like, you know, that's some community member that's gone. Um, but work, Dober T, she got off of the bus at 620 and then she disappeared. I knew she was missing because when I looked at her phone, after I went through her house and saw she wasn't present, I went through her phone and her boss said Tuesday morning, Tony, you didn't show up to work. Where are you? And then I was like, hands up, 
this is an issue. And I think there's so much to talk about, like, you know, the sex trafficking that's like so heavy in Ohio and how easily it could bleed down here. Uh, I learned about the Super Bowl being a huge, huge market for sex trafficking, like around 100,000 people are sex trafficked in that area. And I'm not talking abducted, but they could be abducted. I'm talking about like, you know, they just bring a lot of sex slaves Mm -hmm. to attend to a lot of the needs of the people who come to the Super Bowl. Um, And you also could think about like how many people do go missing in the Super Bowl, but they just don't publicize it because it's like Super Bowl halftime show, Um, you know, or how many people set people up to get abducted because it's just like such a big event. Um, It's really interesting because it's not just like, you know, some conspiracy theory. It's like two organizations who are really big. I don't I'm not going to remember organizations names, but they talk about that like the numbers of people who are being sex trafficked or get go missing during the super bowl um so to think about that in a new way like large events this could be a place you need like did you know and also the reality of people who are being sex trafficked like um it doesn't look like oh they look like they have whips and they're chained and they're slaves they're very modern they might be going grocery shopping by you you know? Yeah, because that's that's their thing. Yeah. They're clever people. They are. That's their business. And even the people who um, like are being enslaved in this trade, because uh, like there is a story I heard about a woman who fell head over heels with a man, got married, she had a son, and then he took her to Nevada. And when they went to this new place in Nevada, there were already two other women in the apartment in the same situation, and then he threatened her. He's like, you know, you don't know anyone here. Um, You'll let your son go to school, but if you don't have sex with these people and then give me the money, I'm gonna hurt your son. And like, you know, just think of all the torture around that. He's also like hurting her on top of like forcing her to sleep with people. and that's not Tony's situation. Like, I hope Tony doesn't feel like she has to be in whatever situation she's in. But you know, just any vulnerable point you have, these people will use against you. They're like, you know, like the worst shows, like Game of Thrones, like Cersei Lannister, like, but weak and well, but evil and like in real life. Any weak point you have, they'll psh, manipulate it. The Black and Missing Foundation is an organization that's been helping and they have an anonymous tip place. So you give them an anonymous tip and they're not the police, but they'll give that information to the detectives who are working on the case. So I think that's a really great thing if you know something, but you don't want to incriminate yourself or incriminate a loved one, but Tony's safety is your priority. So that's good to know. I had to put that back on my Facebook, like, oh, anyone who knows anything. Yes, that's good. That's a really interesting thing. Yeah. Yeah, because, man, somebody knows something somewhere. You know what I mean? I do. And I think somebody knows something. So that, you know, man, whatever you know, like, anonymously, that's perfect that there's something for that. Yeah, and the Black and Missing Foundation did this, um, because like they work mostly with no, they work with color people of color, yeah. and so they're like people have people of color, all people, but mostly people of color, have such strained relationships with authority figures yeah. that they don't want to call the police. No. So we do this for them, yeah. 
so they can still give this important information but not be connected to it um, are they national or are they local they are national okay. i don't even know what state they're in but they're not in pennsylvania you know i learned a lot from trying to be a god and trying to pull know where tony is what i want everyone to do is just continue to keep her in your thoughts and prayers um continue to share her story in nuanced ways and continue to be concerned about missing people yeah um yeah like this is a real thing and i don't want to say it could happen to you because it's really sad to i mean it's just scary to keep putting that in our minds um but to become informed and to realize this is a very devastating thing to happen to people and to be more vigilant to be more vigilant like if you see anything odd feel anything weird feelings like if you feel something weird call the police because you just don't know how you, that's going to play into the scheme of things um and it's the thoughts and prayers accumulated that make miracles happen but also i feel give tony a sense of peace wherever she is uh, yeah and you know what we did is we would light a candle every night to reflect tony's inner light back to her so that she could find her way back home just see that pathway and walk it back home um so if people still have candles to continue burning them every night as i do um as my mother does as my sister does um as a lot of my close friends do to continue to do that for tony and for anyone who's missing because this is a very awful thing that happens to communities but then you have to think like what is that reality for that missing person like we are fortunate to not know and we are unfortunate to just be bystanders to this trauma. That's very well put. You're very well spoken. Thank you. <laughs> I am a writer, so. What do you like to write? I mostly write poetry, but because of this insane event that's happening around me, whenever um I'm a little more detached from it. I'm probably going to write a book on this. Yeah. You know, books take like, you know, years. But to really write about this and to give like, you know, a more narrative around missing people, I think the only book that I know of, I'm not a huge book reader that do does it, is The Lovely Bones. Um, yes. Because I keep thinking about that. Because when I read that book, I just kept going like, oh my God, this is so awful. What an awful feeling. Like the mother and the father got divorced. The sister then I think started like, being um, into alcohol and things like that. And the whole time, the, the villain, the person who killed their daughter is their neighbor, yeah. you know? And that yeah. took like four years or something, so a long time for them to figure that out. And so I wanna write another narrative about like, what is it like to have someone missing in your life? Yeah. Because God, it's so grisly. It's so grisly. You just kind of at some points were like, if I just knew they were dead, that would be so much easier because then you can, it's concrete and you can move on. But the missingness of it, it's like you see the father in the lovely bones, his fanaticism for his daughter tears his family apart. Um, but it's just like, that's a real thing. Like inside of you, you love someone, you don't let it go. It becomes a part of you. 
hair. And I was the same way too. Like before Tony disappeared, I'd be like, oh, what can I do? Or it would just go over my head. I wouldn't even, I would just see like, you know, that blue border around the person's face. And I wouldn't know if they were missing or dead. I would just be like, oh, oh, oh. And it was just like such a superficial feeling. But now I take it so seriously. Like I have a friend in much, she lives on a reservation in Arizona because she's an indigenous person. And I think her niece is missing. And you have to think, we're in, we're like, indigenous people are sovereign nations. And they continue to just be like genocided and like, uh, outrightly destroyed as people. With black people, you know, they have to be a little smarter about it if they want to do it, and they can still face justice. Um, for indigenous peoples, they have so much less governing government and rights than uh, black people. And so, you know, a 15-year-old missing girl on a reservation, um, the nearest city to that reservation in Arizona is three hours away. I mean, that is just so much more devastating than what I'm experiencing. Because Tony has community, the police care. Um, I'm a citizen of this country. Um, for someone on a, for an indigenous person on the reservation, I just think about how awful, awful, awful that must be. Like, I can't, I can't imagine it. I can't imagine what it's like to be an indigenous person with a missing niece. I mean, I hope I even painted a picture of what they could be experiencing. They had to drive to get water. They don't have running water in their homes. Like, I mean, it's a beautiful place. I'm not trying to put them down. It's really, I went there and I loved it. But it's still just like, I do have a lot of things that a lot of people don't. Like I have detectives I can work with. I have police that I feel like I can trust. Um, I have the support of my community behind me. Um, if you're an indigenous person on a reservation and someone you love goes missing, what does that even look like? Who is your police force? What are your resources? So, yeah, prayer. I feel like they're not quite getting the help that somebody else would. Yeah, they're we a sovereign nation. Yeah, yeah. We know they're not. So, miracles do happen, prayer. Because even when you've got people working, like I do, we still don't know where Tony is. Um, so it's really just about like continuing to keep up the prayer and the faith and just preventative measures so this we can prevent this from happening to anyone. Or if it does happen, we know how to react, we know how to respond, we know how to get that person back safely, or as safe as possible. Because so many stories of people being abducted or like they were right down the street. Like there's that story of those... People might have seen something. Yeah. Or like... Oh, there's so many stories. Like people are just like in sheds. Sheds are a very interesting thing. Like you can just put someone in a shed and sheds are sort of built soundproof. So it's like a person could just be in a shed. Um, that was a story. This movie called The Room. This woman was in a shed for like 13 years with the sun and she was so malnourished that she didn't have all her, her teeth were falling out and there's that story of the three girls in Ohio who are like a mile away from their for years for years like over a decade think about it too yeah there's shipping containers that are just hanging out who owns that shipping container and these are all things like you can drive I mean I drove myself near crazy uh, considering them thinking I could like do something about it like yeah. you can knock on those things and be like hello is someone in there because you know I did that I was like Tony are you in there with shipping containers and sheds hi Keith
Thank you. I'm going to give you a hug. No, I was just saying, I was just saying that, that, that how nice of a person you are. I hope you didn't hear that. Uh, I mean, honestly, like, every time I'm driving anywhere, I keep my eyes open. Like, that's kind of it. Because there was a story of this girl who went missing, and she was 11 years old. So she's, you know, a lot more vulnerable than Tony, I would think. And what happened is, like, these kidnappers pulled over at a gas station, and this family, entire family, mom, dad, two kids in the back seat, saw her peek her head up. You know, and you know that's really brief. And then they trailed them, you know, and these abductors are telling the girl, like, keep your head down. If you scream, we'll kill you. But this family was on the phone with the police just trailing this car, and they actually saved that 11-year-old girl. Amazing. Yeah, and she just peeked her head up one time, just one little peek, and this family saw her. And you also think about this family, like they're they're not thinking, oh, I could be putting myself at risk. It's my two kids in the back seat. They're like, this is a missing girl, and she's obviously in trouble, and we're going to trail them. And they saved her. So little things, little things. I think we're being social media is such an advantage. Such an advantage. It's so hard to hide from people these days if you want to. I mean, do the police? And I know, I don't think you would have an answer. I want to know what the police can and can't do in comparison to a private investigator. Um, You're I mean, on it. All, I, I got kids. I don't know. Like, I mean, yeah. my yeah. kids are this age. I mean, I'm. You like, are so interesting, your perspective. Can you be in on this too? Because I'm doing this for a podcast for her. We're recording. Come on, Keith. Can we keep your sure. recording yeah. of this? Whatever you okay. want. Do you want to say who you are? Oh, my name's Keith Cavalli. I'm the manager of the coffee shop. <laughs> and my daughter is friends with Tony and Sydney. And uh, and I feel like somehow it's like my kid that, that is in a, in a strange way. You know, it's like the worst nightmare of any parent is to not even know. Um, I, it's, I feel really weird about it. It's like, I hope she ran away, but I have to act like she was abducted. Yeah. So, but I feel like more of the abduction route, but it's hard because, you know, I want her to be running away. I want her to be safe somewhere with someone we don't know, but who's like taking somewhat good care of her. Yeah. But I have to act like she's not safe in sure. some nefarious people's hands. Because she wouldn't do that to you, would she? Like, just leave with no, I'm going to be fine. Don't worry. About I mean, it's hard because she's like 20. Yeah, you never know. You don't know yeah. people like that. Yeah. I feel like if she was free, she'd be like, holy shit, so many people care. This is like people around the world. It hasn't broken national news. I'm sorry, not the world. Actually, yes, the world, because I've got people sharing it in Brazil and oh, Mexico. Yeah. But um, people around the country are caring about me. I should really head back home. But she could also be so ashamed, because what if she ran away? And now she's like, oh, I can't. I have to save face. I can't go home. Um, but I feel like she could contact someone and be like, I'm okay. Sure. Don't worry yeah. about me. Um, but she was also very sad on the day that she went missing, like very low. Would I say suicidal? No, I wouldn't. Um, if she did kill herself, I feel like someone would have seen her walk. I just, I know that. It's not even like a belief. I'm just like, people are, it's a 30 minute walk minimum. It's, someone would have seen something. Not everyone on that who's driving is like in on it and like, oh, I'm not gonna tell anyone because I'm a part of her abduction. No, someone would have called by now and been like, hey, I did see someone walking um, around the bridge in Hazelwood between the hours of like 6.20 to 8.30 p.m. You know what I mean? Um, so that's one of the theories out there that she... Yeah, 
because her possessions were found on that bridge, but to me that feels like a stage. I feel like that was very staged. Yeah. I think people who commit suicide leave suicide notes. Yeah. This is all very new. It's all very new. But I do want to ask if there's like any other questions or any other questions you have for Keith. Thanks for coming to the interview. Think about it a lot. Thank you. I see it. I see a poster of we right in Squirrel Hill, no more than three doors down from yeah. the tees, and I think that that was right there. It was yeah, a little bothersome to me too. That's my neighborhood. Things don't happen in my neighborhood. I, I, I've been looking out that window for 25 years, and we're honestly just a block away, a half a block away. Mm -hmm. So I don't like that. I'd like to think I have my pulse on squirrel. Yeah, I think you do. It's just like those things are so sudden. Well, I know there are people in the neighborhood though that are on certain lists, and you know whether it's the pedophile list or the, the whatever. I I'm aware of the people that walk the neighborhood. That That's are. good. That's I'm aware of my customers that are. Wow. That's amazing. That is amazing. That's more than I do or know. Well, we did have a sting operation on one of the customers that was downloading illegal child pornography from our router and we had to involve the, the state police. Well, they came with the search warrant. And we said... We don't do that. Right. And we said, but we know who it is. So Jessica, who works at the city, said, you know, I know who it is. They said, do you mind calling us when he comes in? So one night he comes in, opens up his computer. So next thing you know, we had the police. They had him handcuffed to the chair. Went to jail, got out, went back to jail, and got out again. Now he's around the neighborhood. I see him. I know, but I said we're gonna keep an eye on him. What can you do? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you gotta put him away. You gotta put him away forever. And right now he's just looking, but the detective says that's not where they stop. He knows the progression. They don't stop, and it usually gets worse. And I'd rather know, and everyone's gonna know. Um, and all of our staff know. And, and it's good that he doesn't like, just, like yeah. he still feels comfortable going there. Yeah. Like, cause it's like, yeah, we should watch people. You gotta watch. People. I mean, watch people for their, for everyone's safety. Cause it's just like. You also have to watch people like Tony was having a bad day before the day she went missing. And it's like the bus driver who let her off the bus, he was like, oh, because he's a 50-year-old man and he worked with children. So he wanted to like be like, hey, do you want to ride the bus again? Can I have your contact information? But he didn't because he's like, I'm a 50-year-old man. Right. It's going to well, look weird. It looks weird. Like, yeah. yeah. It does. And you think about that when you're in, from my perspective. You have to watch everything you say and do because before you know it, Boom. You know, all it takes is one person to, and it doesn't matter if it's true or not, the accusation is going to kill you with social media, you know, so you have to be very careful. You do. You do, especially when you're in, like, my situation. Yeah. You do have to. But you have such a trusted community. People would stand up and defend you. And I, the man who drove the bus, he, he was also my bus driver. He's my neighbor. He's a really good man. So it's like, I've talked to him. Tony talked to him more than I did because I started driving. But it was good to know, like, he's not a suspect. It was good to feel that. Because, like, you know, I'm just working with feelings. So it was good to be like, I can trust you. But there are people who I cannot trust, you know? That's what you just get that from the gut. You do. You got you do. to. You, got, you get it from the gut. You, get, maybe put, but you just have to know that there's some people that aren't, aren't trustworthy. Oh, yeah, I get that. Yeah. yeah. I get that. You feel it. It's like you get in the first three seconds of meeting someone. You don't know what's off. They might just have like mental health issues. They're not doing anything to anyone. But sometimes you're like, still, like, you. And you do, and you do have a much greater amount of concerns than, than I do. And 
I acknowledge that. Those mute females, and I see it at work, and I hate it. When I hire a female employee, I know that they're going to go through things that the men don't have to go through. It, it bugs me a little bit. But you know what? Mm -hmm. Wow. That's refreshing to hear that I love you. Well, too, that yeah. I believe that the next generation that I'm involved in won't be like the, yeah. the ones that I have any involvement in because I think the Sydney, yeah. You know, it's like, yeah, yeah, pull them aside, you know, you're not doing that, you know. Mm -hmm. um, it's good that you work with some young men, too, to be like, that's not the way yeah. young and. Uh, yeah, I think, well, I have a son. You know, a son is 15. You have a son? Yeah. He's, I didn't know you had a son. Six, six foot two. Yeah, he's in the band. What's Me. his name? Me. I don't know if I've met him. Yeah, he's a dog. And I tell him that and he knows that he would have to answer to me. Even though he's bigger than me, he'd still have to answer to me. And I don't believe he would ever treat someone, you know. I assume it's your, well, I will say assume it's your sister. Assume it's your mother or your grandmother. Would you want someone to treat? Yeah. Well, you always have the nicest men working here, like Chris. You know, don't go in the back alley. If you're a ghost, something, you know, it's something that you have to be aware of. You'd rather not. Yeah, you have to be vigilant as a woman. Like any moment you drop your defenses, things that happen to Tony can happen to you. And it's like, that's why you have to be like constant. It's a constant. And I stopped, I had to like rebuild going outside and walking because you know, I just felt so down in the dumps. I didn't want to be susceptible to my environment because I'm just like grieving. Yeah, well I could, I could, I could, you know, I think that I can. We were just talking to the first customer, hey, we're talking about, being violated, and I was like, the best thing I did is like when someone breaks in here, and we've had it before, how violated you feel. And if you take that on one end of the spectrum, and the other end of the spectrum of a physical assault or yeah. something, I can't even possibly imagine what that would feel like. But I know if it feels like I feel when someone breaks into the coffee mm -hmm. shop or someone breaks into the car, it's not a good feeling at it's all. Not. And it's like, if you're a girl with girlfriends, it's either something like that has happened to you, or it's like someone who you know. Yeah. And it's like, you talk about it. Girls are really there for each other, well, at least the circles I've been in. So it just, it's uh, it's alarming how often it happens. I've lived that just, uh, it still feels different knowing that person. Um, it's strange. get back to work. I'll be in back if you guys need anything. Thank you, Keith. I'm so happy I haven't yeah. seen you in like uh, years. Yeah. I haven't seen you in years. If you need anything, do you want to put anything in that, that board drawer because I don't use it? It's right outside. It's It could be the... I will come with the dance yeah. flyer. Yeah. And I have a key in back and I'll make sure that it's out and we'll put it there. Thank All you, right. Keith. Alright, we'll see you guys. Right. Thanks, Keith. I haven't seen Keith in years. He's still so wonderful. Really awesome. Yeah. It's nice to hear that he stands up for Invisible. I wish every man was like him. The things he was saying was so refreshing. Well, oh my god. All the cafes he owns, this one and the 61C in Squirrel Hill, and I yeah. think he has one in Hazelwood, mm -hmm. if you want to go to that one, because yeah. it's closer. What one? What is that one? I don't know what it's called, but I think he has one in Hazelwood. It's like another bus station name. I think it's like yeah. the 28X Cafe. I'm not sure, but it's like everyone is like this. Like the men baristas who worked here, wonderful people. Like, I could talk to them as long as I talk to the female baristas and yeah. never feel like there was like a, ooh. Yeah. They're just so respectful. And it's not so much he's like guiding them, it's just like he can see good character. Well, he's not gonna bring someone in that's not up to par. Yeah. Wow, that was nice. That was like refreshing to hear. I'm so happy. Yeah. I love Keith, I haven't seen him in years. Wow, that was cool. 
that was cool. I feel like, I'm sorry, I feel like I've kept you. I'm sorry. That's okay. You have so much going on in your life. You're so interesting to talk to, and this Thank has been you. so. This has been amazing. It has been. I'm sure. Do you have any more questions? I think you. I think that was like everything I wanted. I did have one dumb question. I want to make sure we get it all. Um. And and I wanted it to be the last thing. So I wanted to know one thing about your sister that when you think of that makes you smile. Hmm. I think about all the wardrobe we share. Looking back at pictures of yeah. Tony, I'm like, that's my shirt. I stole that shirt from her. We got mad over that shirt. I just think about all the shirts. <laughs> and it makes me laugh. That's cute. That's cute. Aw. And she's also just so, so cute. Like, her little face is cute. She does. She looks adorable. She's so cute. But also, like, tough. Like, yeah. cute and tough. Like, <laughs> bless Thank you. you. I would just like hold her and love her. You both strike me that way. Just like you both strike me as that rare combination of beautiful inside and out. You like, you hear yeah. that almost cliche, but you both, me not knowing either of you, me never having met her, just physically seeing both uh -huh. of you, and then just that when people talk about you having an aura, you know? Yeah. We strive to be. It's an effort. Um, we're not into like the drinking or the alcohol. Um, wait, that's the same thing. Or the drugs. Yeah. So we have a lot of time to like be like, I'm gonna read this book, or I'm gonna meditate, or I'm just gonna nap all day, you know? Yeah. Um, and I feel like wherever Tony is, she's a warrior and she's fighting. So, and you know, whatever fight she has to fight, I'm sure it's a very tough one. So every warrior needs rest, but I believe she's fighting when it matters and when she can.
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlingbranch.com. Code buttery. Exclusions apply. See site for details.